The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Welcome to KXAN News Today. Here are your Wednesday morning headlines. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is fining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its investment arm $5 million for using shell companies to hide $32 billion in investment funds. The church says all of its holdings had been reported through separate companies. A 13-year-old last seen in Austin is missing. Carlos Torres last seen Sunday morning. He was at Rutland Avenue in North Austin near Burnett Road and Runberg Lane. Police say he's a Spanish speaker and requires daily medication. If you've seen him, please call police. One of Austin's shelters for people experiencing homelessness is shutting down. The downtown Salvation Army announced that it's closing its center but didn't say when. Salvation Army said in a statement it can no longer continue to offer the level and quality of care their brothers and sisters need at that aging facility. They said the closing will help them provide quality care at some of their other facilities. Today will be the warmest day of the year so far, but it is coming at a cost, a critical fire danger. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. Good morning. I'm Sally Etnon. This meteorologist Kristen Curry is joining us this morning with a look at what to expect. The wind is already gusting out there. Did y'all notice it? I did. Yeah, Yeah, it kicked in and it's still out there and it's going to be here for a while. Let me show you what those current wind gusts look like. These are coming out of the south for the most part, gusting 25 to about 35 miles per hour, if not even a little bit stronger. The Burnett area was recording wind gusts closer to 40 miles per hour overnight. It's a windy start to the day. Our wildfire danger responding. It's high to very high in the I-35 corridor and hill country for the day today. We do have a little bit of light rain possible this morning, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to offset the wind and the drier air coming in behind our cold front. So a live look outside the Palms Car Wash camera in Northwest Austin. A little bit of cloud cover. Temperatures very comfortable in those lower 70s. The radar showing us those showers and storms getting close to the northwest hill country, but not everybody will see these. That's what's important here is I think the wind and the drier air are going to be much bigger than what we're going to see in the form of rain and thunderstorms this morning. Our temperatures area wide, upper 60s to low 70s, even a little bit warmer than what we had yesterday. That hike and bike forecast showing the rain chances just here this morning. Then we get into the winds, the sunshine, and those incredibly warm temperatures, 88 degrees today. It does change tomorrow, though. We'll talk about those changes is coming up in your first morning forecast. After a weekend of dangerous street takeovers, Austin's police chief says it could happen again. However, Chief Joseph Chacon says this time officers will be ready and are already training for it. Police arrested seven people they say are connected to these takeovers. Yeah, but one neighbor tells our Tahada Rahman that it's happened before in his neighborhood and wonders what's going to happen again with this investigation. On a calm Sunday afternoon in January, the typical traffic of the 360 loop bridge turned into this stopped traffic sounds of racing engines. A flash mob appeared, probably had two to 300 vehicles that took over the entire 360 bridge area. Dennis, who wanted to remain anonymous for fear of retaliation, lives in the area. Proceeded to do a burnout competition for probably about two hours underneath the bridge. He said his wife called Austin police, but they didn't show up. We asked Chief Joseph Chacon if he knew about this takeover. At the position that I am, which I don't have visibility into everything, have seen these things happen in other large cities such as Dallas, 
uh, in Houston. He didn't touch on the Loop 360 report, but said they're using a tip from San Antonio to prepare for possible upcoming ones. Dennis believes Saturday street takeovers could have been prevented. Seeing what happened Saturday night in Austin just sent chills up our spines because that's exactly what happened on that area of Lake Austin at the 360 bridge just three weeks ago. Bahira Rahman, KXAN News. And the neighbor that we spoke with says he wants to see more arrests from these incidents as well as increased police funding and staffing. Now, he also reached out to Mayor Pro Tem, uh, Paige Ellis, her office, and she tells us that they've been in touch with APD, which said officers would start patrolling the 360 loop boat ramp area every week. APD also told Councilmember Ellis that they shared a direct contact number with the neighbor to make sure that future reports do not go unanswered. Fort Worth also saw a rise in street racing and takeovers during the pandemic. Look at this video. It's City Council voting to in 2021 to make watching something like this illegal, even if you're just hanging out. These takeovers are still happening. The video showing a takeover there last May and just last month, two people died in Fort Worth after speeding away from a street racing event. Austin's police chief also addressing staffing shortages in the 911 call center and in his own department. He says that APD can properly staff up for South by Southwest, which by the way starts in about two weeks from now in downtown Austin. The command there will be staffed to more than 100% of its normal shifts for days and nights for the entirety of the festival. There will be designated patrol officers in the closed off areas of 6th Street, Red River and Rainy. We're going to have additional shifts acting as call takers. So while the inside of that public safety barricade is going to take a lot of resources, we want you to know that there's still officers taking calls on the outside. So if you still call 311 or 911, you're going to get a response from those. South by Southwest staff will also have its own private security as well as off-duty APD officers helping out with the event themselves. Why the family of a man shot in downtown Austin wants officers to be charged with a crime. And changes at the home of Austin FC. We're showing you what's new at Q2, helping fans get their food and drinks a little bit faster. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, February the 22nd, and live look outside from our many cameras around central Texas. This is over at the Palms Car Wash. The attorneys for the family of a man shot and killed by Austin police are asking for criminal charges to be filed against the police officers who opened fire. Officers shot and killed 30-year-old Anthony Franklin on January 15th. This happening on West 6 in Colorado streets. Police linking him to an earlier shooting. Body camera video shows Franklin on the ground after being shot. That's why the attorneys say they're demanding action. It was an unlawful killing. Wasn't justified. No matter how you slice it, dice it, Mr. Franklin was on the ground, not posing a threat to anyone at the time he was shot and killed. The officers involved in the shooting are on paid leave, which is standard for these types of cases. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson had some explaining to do to state lawmakers. Paxson answering questions about his potential $3.3 million settlement with four whistleblowers. They all accused him of illegally firing them from that attorney general's office. The settlement would use your taxpayer money and must be approved by lawmakers. If in fact that the state, this body does not vote for it, General Paxson, would you be willing to pay for it out of your campaign account? 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to speak for the attorney general. I'll just say that there is no whistleblower case where any individual has has paid anything because the individual is not liable under the terms of the statute. The state has already spent about six hundred thousand dollars defending Paxson so far in this case. Paxson's team said it wouldn't answer that question as to what would happen if lawmakers do not approve the settlement amount. How the Supreme Court could change the social media sites you use. And police make new arrests after Saturday's street takeovers here in Austin. What we know about the people taken into custody and how police track them down. Texas baseball team playing their home opener on Tuesday and Texas men trying to hold on to their share first place in the Big 12 as well. I've got it for you coming up. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Welcome back, a live look outside from our Palms Car Wash camera up in Northwest Austin, 183 there in the background. Traffic moving along just fine. We'll have a full weather and traffic report in a moment. First though, Friday will mark a full year since Russian troops invaded Ukraine. And since the first attack, nearly 10 million people, mostly women and children, have rushed to escape the fighting, most pouring into neighboring Poland. You know, Jay Gray spent a month along the border giving us an up-close look at the humanitarian crisis as the war began. And he's back there this morning with an update on the situation. As a line works its way inside this makeshift warehouse, visitors are met by difficult images and the latest information from their battered homeland. They escaped the fighting, but for so many Ukrainian refugees, emotions are still raw. Pain and fear, pain and fear. This is the scariest things going on now. They find safety and support, food, clothes and medicine in this clearinghouse of sorts. Donations gathered and handed out by the humanitarian group Uniners, founded by Victoria Baldrin and her mom, Ukrainians, already living in Poland a year ago when Russian troops invaded their homeland. How we cannot do this, you know, uh, this is our country. Uh, this is uh, where our heart belongs. And um, we, we needed to do something. The center is staffed by refugee volunteers like Artem. I'm only 16. No one will give me a machine gun, so here I am. He escaped Dnipro, his hometown, now in ruins. Providing basic essentials for fellow refugees is just one small part of the Uniners' mission. 90% uh, of our uh, uh, help is going to Ukraine. In a back room, volunteers tie together camouflage nets, the white, to hide tanks and missile systems in the snow. Upstairs, a doctor and driver piece together medical field kits they'll take to the front lines. The Uniners have also delivered boots, backpacks, even drones. Ukrainian soldiers. Grateful for the support that the Uniners promise will continue in Ukraine and Poland for as long as there's a need. Now, since the start of the war, a third of Ukraine's entire population has been forced from their 
homes. More than 5 million are displaced and still in country. Of those who have escaped, 86% of the refugees are women and children. Jay Gray, NBC News, along the Poland-Ukraine border. is meeting with a group of NATO allies today as he wraps up his European trip. Yesterday he spoke about the approaching one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The president had some strong words for Russian President Vladimir Putin during that speech. He also announced new sanctions aimed at 200 Russian individuals and entities. The list includes governors and family members of government officials as well as defense and technology companies and other firms allegedly involved in evading sanctions. Today, the Supreme Court is going to hear arguments in a liability case against Twitter just a day after a spotlight after its spotlight Google. The high court is going to decide whether social media sites can be liable for the content posted on their platforms. Raquel Martin is in Washington, where one family is seeking justice for their daughter killed in a terrorist attack while visiting Paris. We're just seeking for justice. The Gonzalez family says they want to change the internet for the better. Monday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for their case against Google. They say the social media giant is partially responsible for the ISIS terrorist attack that killed their daughter because YouTube's system recommended more ISIS extremist content when users showed interest. There's a lot of innocent people that went what we went through, and, and it is very, very difficult. Their attorney is seeking to chip away at a 1996 law known as Section 230 that shields online companies from being sued for third-party content posted to their website. But inside the court, both conservative and liberal justices struggle to understand the plaintiff's argument. Justice Sonia Sotomayor suggested the case lacks proof Google's algorithms were specifically used to boost ISIS messages. There has to be some intent aid in a bit. You have to have knowledge that you're doing this. And Chief Justice John Roberts says changing the law could make websites targets of endless lawsuits. Many, many times more than a defamation suits. Uh, discrimination suits. Google's defense lawyers insisted their algorithms are neutral and perform the same way regardless of the type of content someone watches. Some justices suggested Congress, not the court, is better suited to iron out the details of Section 230. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court will hear a related case filed against Twitter. In Washington, Raquel Martin. Back here in Texas, voting sites on college campuses could be banned under a proposed state law. Some are calling this, though, an act of voter suppression. Others believe it's a matter of school safety. KXC and Sarah Alge spoke with the state representative from Hayes County behind it. The polling site was actually right over here um, in this building and this room. And the line stretched all the way throughout here all the way down the line outside. Jacob Graybill is one of thousands of Texas State University students that vote at the campus's polling location, a resource he says benefits so many. It's the faculty, the staff, like every single level of Texas State and San Marcos, our neighbors come to vote at this location for convenience. But there's a push to take it away. Texas House Bill 2390 is proposing to ban campus polling sites across the state. Republican State Representative Carrie Isaac brought the idea forward and says it's it's a matter of school so, safety. Here in Texas, we have one of the longest uh, early voting periods of any state in the nation, two weeks of early voting. I don't believe it's wise that we invite people onto our campuses 
that would not otherwise be there. Some worry it would lead to some people just skipping voting. There would be so many people who want to vote, who care about these issues that just can't. Isaac says there are other options like voting by mail or that some universities bus students to polling locations. I have the utmost confidence in our young adults here in Texas to vote, even if the location is not right there on their campus. On the other side of the aisle, two Democratic state senators filed a bill that would require at least one main campus polling location for colleges with at least 5,000 students. Sarah Alshah, KXAN News. Representative Isaac says she is drafting up another bill similar to this one that would actually remove polling places from K through 12 public and charter schools. Well, this month's ice storm caused extensive damage, hurting more than 10 million of Austin's trees. That's 30% of the city's tree landscape. Texas A&M Forest Service crews just released this new assessment yesterday. Now, the ice storm led to trees falling down, tree limbs taking down power lines, causing thousands of people to lose power. Live oak, ash, juniper, cedar, elm, and hackberry were the main types of trees affected. Now, of the 30% of trees that were damaged, the majority, 25% of the canopy had light damage or stress. Now trees with relatively light damage are likely to repair themselves. Call a certified arborist if you are worried about the strength of your tree. I think there's a lot of us in that boat wondering, yeah. are you going to survive? You know, looking out there, I, know. I, I see my backyard, I'm like, oh, my peach tree has been. <laughs> Poor thing. Heck and back. I know. And there are still some branches that I think are falling off with some of the wind gusts that we're going to yeah. see today, too. That's yeah. also a concern. Absolutely. It's just the, the threat almost builds, you know, with every wind event that we see after that ice storm. This is no exception today. We've got very strong winds and those winds really won't let up until the later part of this evening. What am I tracking right now? I'm watching these storms and showers coming in across northwest. These are going to have a hard time staying together, but we are going to be watching for these showers to hopefully push a little bit further into the hill country before they fizzle out on us. Now, as far as what we've got going on with our temperatures, it's currently 70 degrees. It is very warm out there and we will not lose any sort of heat today. We are going to be even warmer than what we felt yesterday. Those south winds coming at us at about 10 miles per hour. Temperatures are in the 60s and 70s now. 71 in Georgetown, 70 in Burnett. We've got those lower 70s out there in our eastern counties. As far as the numbers go from the 60s and 70s, we're going to be in the low 80s by lunchtime. And that alone is already above average. We just don't stop there. We are on our way to a forecast high of 88 degrees. That's going to put us well above average, put us well above where we were yesterday. 88 likely to be the warm spot of the week. Starting tomorrow, some cooler temperatures. Rain chances are going to pretty much be confined to just the morning hours, 10 to 20%. That's it. Nothing heavy, nothing severe, no flooding concerns expected. These showers move out by the end of the morning, and then it's just a mostly sunny sky that will ride all the way through the later part of the day into tonight before eventually the clouds come back as we get you into tomorrow. The wind gusts. Winds will be a problem today. Putting this into motion, I expect these wind gusts to eventually switch to more out of a westerly direction, but they're still going to retain its strength. I mean, look at the winds that we've got coming in for the later part of this morning, already gusting 30 to 35 miles per hour behind the front. Everybody getting hit with those gusty winds out of the west by the later part of today. So no surprise with the ongoing drought, those winds, low humidity behind the front, 
red flag warnings have been posted for the hill country. So basically that's that bad combination of low humidity and strong winds. If a wildfire were to break out, this would be the area that we see rapid spread of that wildfire. So please make sure you are holding off on any of those open flame activities. To not, today is not a day to do the, the outdoor burns of those debris piles. We want to wait and make sure those winds are a little more favorable. 88 today with some spotty showers this morning. Windy conditions tomorrow, 80 degrees, mix of sun and clouds. Then we'll be watching that next cold front here. Friday, a little cooler, low 70s with that 20% chance of rain. Then we get another cold front in here Sunday, Monday. That brings another low chance of rain. But temperatures still, even despite those cold fronts in the 70s and 80s, every single day, overnight lows well above freezing in the 40s and 50s. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Hi, good morning to you. Longhorns in Iowa State, Texas, trying to avoid the sweep at the hands of the Cyclones. Lost the first game in early January. Last night, it a sold-out Moody Rodney Terry's bunch. A little bit of a slow start, so they call on the bench, and they call on one of the big, best six men in the country. Serge Jabari Rice, the three to give him the lead, and then that pump fake and the bucket right there. And just like that, Texas erases a six-point deficit, take a six-point lead, and then they just started pouring it on as Marcus Carr gets deep and gives it to the former Cyclone, Tyrese Hunter. He knocks down three of his 15 points in the ball game, and then well, they hit a bunch of threes, but Timmy Allen's game is mid-range. He slices and dices and buries it up to 18. Threes, though, the order of the day. First half, they hit nine. Marcus Carr made it a 20-point lead, 18 at the half. Slow start in the second half. They don't score for the first five minutes. The lead trimmed to 14, and then Brock Cunningham knocks down. What else? A three. And then a little defense turns to a Timmy Allen run out. Longhorns go on to win it, and they remain tied for first with Kansas as they head to Baylor on Saturday afternoon. Longhorn baseball team coming off those three losses in Arlington. Home opener last night against AM Corpus Christi. Jalen Flores, the freshman, first game at the dish, and first at bat of the dish is a home run. That's certainly memorable, and that means his first curtain call at the dish. They were actually tied with the Islanders on that home run, and then Jack O'Dowd unties it. Bases loaded, brings home a pair. O'Dowd had three hits, so did Mitchell Daly. Speaking of three, Eric Kennedy comes to the plate with three on, and yeah, he gets three bases out of this one. Nearly a grand slam. Hits off the wall. Clears the bases, though. Longhorns roll 12-2 to is the final score as they get their first win of the season. Now they get their first weekend home series as they take on Indiana beginning on Friday evening. Back to you. Thank you, Roger. Austin FC fans, you now have a new way to get food and drinks a little faster at Q2 Stadium. Yeah, everyone likes that. The team announcing a partnership with Amazon, putting something they call just walk out technology in the ATX market at Q2. Let's fans scan credit cards as they walk into the market, and then they can just pick out whatever they want from the shelves and walk out. The payment goes to their card without people having to go through a checkout line. I'm really proud of our ability to um, be innovative and um, be the first soccer-specific stadium in the world to have the Just Walkout technology added to ATX Market. Stadium also has improved Wi-Fi and some new devices installed to help speed up security screenings for fans entering the stadium. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.